Welcome to another installment of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. Well, I'm excited today to have my guest, who um, who is a reverend, um, ordained, um, a licensed practitioner at Agape International Spiritual Center, um, and big in the new thought, um, financial consultant. Um, I know I'm not supposed to say this, but in a former life, she was a cop, um, and she can kill <laughs> me later. Um, please welcome my good friend, uh, Candace G., Hi. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Good to have you. Oh, I forgot to mention that you uh, co-facilitate a workshop called Prosperity from the Inside Out. Mm -hmm. Um, I happen to know your co-facilitator. His name is Bob Wheeler, and um, that would be me. And um, we did that for about, what, five, five, six years at Agape International and a few other New Thought um, Mm -hmm. spaces. Yes, we have. And we have a lot of fun with those. Um, And we learn a lot. We sure do. So let me ask you this. When did you um, first realize that money played an important part? Um, I'm making an assumption here that money played uh, an important part in your life. Well, when I was a child, I had a paper route. I think that was my first introduction to the importance of having some money. So I had some money to spend and buy the things that I wanted to. What did you buy with your paper route money? Oh, shoes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Probably the important shoes, stuff. the important stuff. Yeah, you know, soda and candy bars and things I didn't need. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, and um, when um, and so growing up, if I remember correctly, you grew up in I want to say Mississippi or somewhere. No, I was born there. I was. You were born kind in Mississippi. Of dropped they, out there. They would drop you out there, and then you <laughs> ran through the corn, fi- the, the tobacco fields, <laughs> That's right, and soybean fields, and then you grew up where? In Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. The desert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. And um, and how was it? You had siblings. I did. I'm the youngest of four. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what was the message that you got from your mom and your dad around money? It's interesting because I, I realize now that my mom and dad had more by the time I came along. Mm-hmm. And so my childhood was you know, good. Uh, my sisters have a different story than I do, but I was pretty much given most everything I wanted. And, uh, I never knew any lack or anything like that, you know, but as I've grown, you know, grown older, I've realized that my mom and dad did not have a good relationship with money. Yeah. And they hid a lot of, of information from us children, you know, so I had a pretty, you know, ideal, like, rosy colored view of it but uh, I know now that they did not have a healthy relationship with money so you never really saw your parents fighting about money or anything um, out outwardly never so it all just seemed like just sort of showed up went into the bank I mean did you really know how they got it and how all that worked I did I did I knew when my dad got brought his paycheck home it was a it was a good time of the week (laughs) you know my mom was relieved and she would always put money, you know, she'd hide little money here and there. And I would ask her, why do you, why are you hiding that money over there? And she would say, well, this is my mad money. Mm-hmm. And I did not know what that meant until I was an adult. I never asked her. Right. <laughs> no, it's, it's yeah. good to have that money mm-hmm. tucked away. Um, what would you say is one of the, what is one of the messages you got from your parents that you still adhere to today? If, if any. 
don't buy things you can't afford. Mm. Was, was that it, something they said a lot? The, yes, they did. I mean, they, you know, they didn't always follow that, but they did say that. And it was one of the good things that they taught me that I believe in today. You know, if you, because it's the, if you get into debt and you buy things that you cannot afford, you know, you're just living a life that is kind of on borrowed time in a certain sense because you have to repay that. And it just puts a shackle around your freedom and the ability to do things. So I've tried to follow that for the most part. Okay. Do you think that it's um, um, okay to go into debt or when and when is it okay to go into debt? I think that has to be uh, that decision has to be made on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't feel qualified to speak for other people. I think sometimes it's okay. Depends on what you're purchasing. Uh, I I think that we should avoid uh, like emotional spending, though. That's Mm -hmm. where I wouldn't go into debt for something like if it's if it's more of a want than a need. Yeah. Then no, I don't think I would want to go into debt for that. But mm-hmm. if you were buying a car, if you were buying a house, you would. Of course. It would be okay for that. Of course. And what would you consider the best, um, the best financial move you ever made, and um, the worst financial move you ever made? Hmm. <laughs> Let me start with the stupidest thing I ever did. Okay. How about that? Okay. I've uh, had a few of those. <laughs> Oh, gosh. How old was I? I don't even know. Probably 21 or 22. I had a perfectly good car. There was nothing wrong with it. In fact, I remember it was a Plymouth Fury 3 with a green hardtop. And it was an excellent car, but I wanted a nicer car. So I went to the dealership, to a Lincoln Continental dealership in Las Vegas, and I traded that car in for a long, those really long Lincoln Continentals, four Mm -hmm. doors, with the vinyl and the leather and the oh, little yeah. thing. And I could, I could no more afford that than the man on the moon. And I brought that home, and within two months, I realized that I could not afford that. And so I wound up selling it, and somebody took it off my hands. But that was the stupidest thing oh, I man. ever did. Uh, uh, how sad uh, was it when you watched that car, like when you sold it and had to hand over the the keys? You know, it didn't bother me at all. Yeah. I mean, I probably knew within a week that that was not the brightest <laughs> thing I had ever done. So, you know, and um, the best move I've ever made, hmm. I think paying off debt. I, I had some debt um, that I had been in for a number of years, and I paid that off over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the smartest things I've done. And I've, you know, made an intention and decision to live debt free mm-hmm. at, at that point. What um, what would you say are your um, your top financial worries or what do you worry? Is there anything that you worry about? Um, like sometimes go, you know, go to sleep thinking, oh, my gosh, da, 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 da. What if? I think we all do that. Uh, For sure. I think it's part of the human condition, uh, but I also trust God because mm-hmm. I'm in ministry, and I, you know, we have to learn to lean into the invisible. So, um, I temper any worries that I have with that, you know, mm-hmm. because one of the things that I do not want to do is get to the end of my life and realize that I wasted an infinite amount of time on worrying. Right. When everything worked out, so I don't worry 
that much. But, you know, occasionally, you know, you have a thought in your head like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. What are you doing with your life? I think we all have those kinds of thoughts from time to time. But but overall, you know, when I do feel when I feel any kind of constriction, I try to actually practice something that opens me again. That's part of my own, you know, individual, personal, spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. um, I don't do this anymore, but um, I think the first. 10 years that I had my accounting practice every January, I just knew that nobody was going to come back. Like (laughs) I'd be like, I'm not going to have any clients. Everybody's going to leave me. And then I would get more clients. And then the next year I'd think to myself, nobody's going to come back. And so really literally for maybe 10 years is too much, but I know for the first several years, at least seven years, I was convinced, um, my doors were going to close and, um, mm. and it was like, so it wasn't a rational fear. I guess that my point is that sometimes our worry is not rational. It's not based on reality. Right. Um, Most of the time I would say we, yeah. we make it up in our head. Yeah. And then we just spin out of control or I do. Cause I like to, um, even though I say I don't like drama, I think sometimes I like to make it very dramatic. Um, and then I feel good. Um, what would you, um, I wanted to ask you, um, who do you admire in terms of financial success? Are there any people that you look at and say, wow, you know, Bill Gates, he's got it together. And here's what I admire about them in terms of their financial um, success or perceived success. Hmm. Uh, I think I, I look up to people who have gone far in their life. Mm-hmm. Um Oprah Winfrey comes to mind, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of who've made a lot of money mm-hmm. and came from basically nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, the person that I think that I admire most is not a, necessarily even a famous person. It's my mentor, mm-hmm. Catherine Kaufman, mm-hmm. uh, because I've watched her behavior with money for, you know, almost 25 years. And she's really, you know, interesting. And when I first started working with her, you know, back then, this is before the internet and before all of the software that we now use. And she would get a pile of bills and checks would be written the same day that the bills would come in and she would mail those off. And I asked her why she did that. You know, I mean, she didn't have cash flow problems, but there was no need to mail them right away. She still had at least three weeks. And she said, uh, she said to me once, Candace, I do this because I, I'm, I live in the flow. And it really had an impact on me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, okay. And so for me, I've tried to, you know, pattern myself after that too. When I'm able to, if I have the money to pay the bill, I just get rid of the bill. Yeah. You know, and um, I've noticed that, you know, as I've done that, I've seemingly, it's been easier financially for me to pay, to pay things. You know, just getting in a habit of putting, mo- you know, setting money aside to make sure that my expenses are all covered. So, she set, has set a really good example for me, mm-hmm. actually, you know, and I'm grateful for, for her. Do you think, like, as I'm listening to that, I'm wondering if one of the things that she might also bring to finan- her financial um, world is um, consistency? Like, in other mm-hmm. words, um, the way she handles things is consistent and reliable. Like, she's not... Absolutely, and she's disciplined, even disciplined, though she has... Yeah. She she's a very wealthy woman. She still uh, practices, you know, she follows a budget. 
you know, she doesn't always succeed. She's gone over it, we, you know, from time to time. But she is somebody that does, you know, practice restraint, and she doesn't use her money unwisely, Mm -hmm. but she enjoys her life completely. Yeah, and I think restraint is a a real important word because I think sometimes many of us prefer to indulge. um, And in the moment, I must have that, which the media and everything sort of helps support. Like, why should you wait? You should just go into debt so you can have it now because you deserve it. And I think... Most of us could probably use a little more restraint um, in our spending habits. Well, restraint gives us emotional sobriety. Mm-hmm. And when you're dealing with money, we have to be vigilant about having emotional sobriety because if we don't, we will spin out of control and do things that are not in our best interest. Yeah, I know that – like I know for myself, there have been times where, okay, there's money in the bank. Things are flowing. I don't need to stick to my budget. I don't need to – and then that's those are the times sometimes when actually things are good that I actually get a little bit out of control because then I think, oh, I'm above that. I don't have to I don't have to continue practicing what I preach. <laughs> right. And then it gets yeah. me in a little bit of trouble because I get a little cocky um, and I find that when I have restraint, when I'm actually being more intentional about how I do things and stay in the course and being disciplined, um, I have much, much better results and I sleep at night. Right. I don't have anxiety. Right. Me too. I feel better Right. when I have shown some discipline and restraint and avoided just like, you know, capitulating to, oh, I've got to have it now, or, oh, things are great, or I'm rolling in the dough, why not? That's what we do, you know, whether it's, you know, whether we spend money behind being upset or overjoyed or we're in the plenty or whatever it is, you know, it's so easy to, to lose sight of having, I think, that emotional stability where we can just say, you know, I don't really need that, but thanks anyway. Yeah. Um, now, we taught, we, I don't want to say taught, we led, we uh, co-facilitated several workshops, um, Prosperity from the Inside Out, and worked with people around money blocks, money beliefs. Um, what would you say were the observations or the takeaways from doing those workshops, what you heard from other people, um what you observed, what, what, what were your takeaways from that? Well, I think a lot of people have uh, hidden guilt and shame, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of negative feelings around money. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that is cultural. Part of it is societal. We frame our value in the world mm-hmm. uh, through this lens, which is a false lens, but, but we do. Uh, and so I observed that a lot in the people, that there was a lot of healing that needed to happen in them, in terms of, you know, feeling guilty or feeling shameful for past mistakes that they made. And I also observed how well people do when they are in a safe, confidential environment with which to uh, unlearn all the lies that we've all been taught. Yeah. So those are two, you know, observations that I've had with people that when there's uh, safety and support, Mm -hmm. real transformation and change can happen. Um, And with this, you know, with the topic of money and finances, I think it's such a critically important work to be involved in because of that, you know, because people, you know, I counsel ministers, I've talked, you know, counseled a lot of different people, talked to a lot of different people who don't want anybody to know their situation and their financial condition. And so this is something that cuts across every profession, every you know, social construct, everything, educational level, 
you name it, it cuts across. And the other thing that I've observed over the years in general with people is that whether they have a lot of money or they don't have very much money or no money at all, a lot of those emotional issues were the same. You know, this feelings of of guilt, feelings of shame, feelings of trepidation over some of the behaviors that that they've that we've all engaged in. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I jokingly say sometimes we don't all just walk around. And walk up to people and go, guess how much debt I have? Um, <laughs> hey, I just filed bankruptcy the other day. I'm feeling super. Um, yeah, that car that I have, I haven't made a payment in six months. I'm w- just waiting for them to repossess it. Right? We don't – like there's there's a big stigma around and, and so – especially in L.A., but I don't think it's just L.A. I think almost everywhere – People are positioning to look how pious I am or look how right. successful I am or look how – you know, whatever that is for, for people to be the most successful or to be the most uh, – uh, the least boastful about it or like whatever. We've all got a position that we're trying to, um, you know, project um, to the world and, um, you know, and it just doesn't leave us a lot of space to – Go out and say, oh, my God, you'll never believe the next the last financial mess I just got into. I just overdrafted my bank account for the fifth time. Um, And like it's just not welcome. And, yeah, there is there is a lot of shame around it. I think the for me, the biggest thing, um, which is why I even got into all of this, um, because I saw how much shame there was in my own personal financial journey where I did a lot of stuff wrong, um, quote unquote, um, is that. the biggest thing is that people say to me and said to us is, um, wow, I'm not the only one. I don't feel so alone. Um, and -hmm. I think for me, that's such an important message for people to know that, uh, most of us didn't get the financial download. Most of us, um, didn't get all that information. And those that appear to have gotten it all, um, might've gotten there through a lot of hard work, um, or putting in the effort or, you know, getting educated um, and not being afraid to uh, take risks and right and 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 just like go for it. Right. I th- I you know I dream. I wish that you know they would teach uh, you know just basic a fi- basic financial class even in to kids in mm-hmm. in grade school and you know parents that model healthy relationships with money to their children. I think that's the greatest gift they can give them. Yeah. And to teach them responsibility. You know, and so on, because with, you know, we had a little bit of it. Maybe we you had it. You didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all gotten whatever we got. Yeah, I so got none of it. <laughs> I got a, t- I got a teeny bit, but I it guess. wasn't but it wasn't much. I didn't get much. You know, I and did not get much. I, I just think that that would be such a valuable thing. I am grateful, though, that my parents taught me to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I we were never, you know, lazy, quote unquote, lazy people. So that was a good ethic that they gave me. And uh you know, but a lot that I've learned in my adult life has just been through error, mm-hmm. <laughs> trial and error, and a lot of error. You know, do you ever find yourself repeating phrases that your parents uh, said? Do you ever catch yourself going, "Oh my God, I sound just like my parents" in terms of money stuff? Like maybe you made a purchase and then you have an internal dialogue over the purchase or anything like that? Not too much. I mean, sometimes I'll just say to myself, "Why did you do that?" You know. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's like by the time I've asked that question, I already know the answer. It was because you were on autopilot. That's why right. you did it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't I don't have too much of that, I think, because, again, I have, you know, I have a practice that mm-hmm. that helps with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell myself the things that I want to hear, you know, in myself, yeah. you know, and I keep doing it and keep doing it and, you know, until things take root and then you have to have the behavior to go with it. Yeah. So, you know, we're all learning to do better every day. And so I, I work from that because, you know, nobody's an island and nobody is perfect and nobody yeah. has it all figured out. Yeah. I know. I thought I did. But uh, <laughs> really. I know I know nothing. But I right. think that's the beginning of wisdom when you really realize that you don't know anything. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, so you are sort of a self-employed, self-made kind of person. Um, you do financial consulting. You help people with business management. Um, you do ministry. Um, you lead workshops. Um, what are some of the uh, the biggest challenges to having your own business versus getting a W two paycheck and it's nice and steady? Well, you better have an inner fire and an inner drive. I can say because what I do is not for the faint mm-hmm. of heart. You know, you have to get up every morning and ask to do your best, and then bring that you know to the table of in your own work ethic. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that the most challenging thing has been, you know, just around like carving time out to take self-care time, vacations mm-hmm. and, you know, that type of thing. Because I have to really plan, you know, to be able to do that rather than just, okay, it's, you know, I've got this uh, time accrued and I'm taking time off. I think that would be one of the biggest challenges. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of blessing in it. I'm obviously wired to do it. It works much better for mm-hmm. my life to be able to to work this way. Um, I think one of the challenges I find in my work, though, is just, you know, because we live in such a fast-paced time mm-hmm. and everything is instant communication. And yep. unfortunately, people don't have good boundaries. So, you know, I might get a text at 10 o'clock at night or at 2 in the morning and I had to learn over the years, no, you will not be getting an answer now. Right. Sorry. (laughs) You know, things like that, just constantly nipping into my own time and people trying to reach me all of the time for a variety of things constantly. So, you know, I've learned to, you know, pace myself better with with my response time and so forth. Yeah. You know, that can, yeah, I don't give out my cell phone anymore. Um, what would you say are the benefits? What are like, what are the, what are the good things about working for yourself? Well, for me, I have an individual opportunity to make an impact in people's financial lives Mm -hmm. and in their, in their lives in general, by the way that I carry myself, what I try to follow, you know, in my own life. And so that's, gives me a lot of, um, joy. Um, I think also, that just being able to, you know, work for myself, that I'm the boss. So, you know, the buck stops with me. But the good news is uh, I can, you know, carve out my life according to my needs. Mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful for that. You know, very grateful for the wonderful, you know, client roster that I have. So I think those are some of the big joys. But, you know, again, there's there's two sides to everything. Right. You know, there's, you know, trying to car- carve out time for yourself. There's trying to you know, encourage people to not contact you at two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all of yeah. that. Yeah. But I do, uh, I do enjoy um, being, being able to be of service in this way. Yeah. That's the biggest joy I get from it. Yeah. And the, and the teaching, you know, the workshops and the classes that you and I have uh, co-facilitated, 
those kind of things because it's a different environment. It's the same topic, but it's a different setting. Yeah. So, you know, all of it is, is beneficial and brings me great joy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you, like, reflect back on just life, um, can you think of, like, the time where you thought you were the happiest in your life? And what role, if any, did money play in that time period? That's interesting question, Bob. I've been happy at, I'm going to say, like really happy. Mm-hmm. The two or three times that, that I have just felt a wash in joy mm-hmm. has been because I have realized something unique about myself mm-hmm. from a non-ego space, but from a place of, oh, wow, look what you're able to do. Look what God Spirit is using you to do. Mm-hmm. that's been the greatest joy. It's like, in other words, when I've elevated my potential or when I've actualized my own potential, mm-hmm. that has brought me deep joy inside my soul because I have come so far um, with, you know, no end in sight. I think that's all of us. And so for me, that's been the biggest thing I'm grateful for. And during those periods of me having those aha moments and just feeling so grateful and so happy, so thankful have been when I've actualized some potential in myself. Mm. And when you, like, what do you define as abundance? What do you define as wealth? Like, uh, what do you define as success? Uh, I think it begins with a sense of self, Mm -hmm. your purpose in the world, why you're here. If you know that, you're already wealthy. I think, uh, you know, prosperity and abundance have to do with uh, health, well-being, right relationships with money, right relationships in your life. It's it's a big word, and it mm-hmm. covers a lot. But I think an overall sense of value and self-worth, you know, um, in in one's life, I think that that is what true abundance is mm-hmm. for, to me. Um, completely random question. When you're in a big group at a restaurant and we have to split the bill, do you just divide it equally amongst the people, or do you figure out how much you uh, – eight and figure out your contribution. (laughs) (laughs) I have done it always. I've done it those ways. And then I've not wanted to be bothered with people who were fighting over the bill and I pick up the whole tab. I've done everything. Yeah. I've figured out my amount. I always put in extra though. Mm -hmm. Once I figured out my amount, you know, tax and tip. And then I throw in a few extra because I know somebody's going to be probably on the short end. Yeah. So (laughs) <laughs> All right. So let me ask you this, though, because this is um, do you, if you're if you're um, if you've been asked to split the bill um, and, you know, a bunch of other people had like bottles of wine and dessert and an extra side plate and you just had a salad and you didn't get dessert and you didn't get the wine um, like. No, I'm not paying for your dessert and your <laughs> wine. <laughs> OK. Yeah, no, it's so. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I go. Like depending on who it, whether it's my family or whether it's uh, you know comic friends or whether like depending on who the group is, um, I think I'm more uh, like I'll choose a different method with with each of them because um, sometimes I'm just like I'm not paying for the freaking three bottles of wine and then other times I'm like you know what. Life's been good this week. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll split it. So sure. it, it, I think it's moment to moment for yeah, me. But 
And that, that, that's probably true of me, too. I, I just know I always have one of those friends that always has to run to the bathroom right as the check comes and they don't come out for 15 <laughs> minutes until the bill's been settled. They're like, oh, uh, I, oh, I guess everybody's got it. So, so oh, man. Um, so what advice would you give to young people that are coming up in the world uh, trying to figure out what they want to do and uh, – like, what would you t- tell them in terms of their financial health? Learn to have a good, healthy relationship with money. So when you're thinking about what vocation or profession you might want to get involved with, be willing to look at the costs involved in doing that. Uh, I, I have so much compassion for so many people who have gone through college and now have Hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars of, of student loan debt. It's so, insane. I think having a good, healthy relationship with money, and you know, and really thinking about what you want to do, uh, with, you know, with a sense of, you know, equilibrium with it, you know, balance, mm-hmm. so that you don't do stuff that you're going to later regret. That's what I would say to young people: be wise, use wisdom, and and lean into the resources around you, the people, places, and things that can help you get to your goal or help you make a choice and and make a right decision for your life. Cool. All right. Now I'm going to ask another random question. Um, What do you like to spend money on that's completely not practical or uh, like, you know, part of the budget? Like, is there a splurge that you have, like secretly buy lotto tickets or big bags of M&M candies? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you look at me, you can see what my weakness is right now. <laughs> That's got to go. I like I like dining. I like fine dining. Yeah. Um, what's your biggest splurge kind of food? Like, what's your favorite? Like, oh, that's really pricey, but I love it. It's not necessarily the type of food. It's the mm-hmm. restaurant. You know, okay. Greek. I'm I'm have a weak spot for Greek food and Italian food. Mm-hmm. I love those. I like nice restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably one of the biggest splurges that I do is uh, getting massage, though. But to me, that's a that's a self care necessity. I feel necessity. like that's a necessity. It, it is. I don't want to say that that's a <laughs> that's not an indulgence. That is not an indulgence. Um, which and what are the benefits of of getting a massage? Oh, relaxation, relaxation. of my body, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. I sleep better. You get to be pampered. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I might have been a dog in another life. I like to be rubbed and scratched. There you go. All right. That's good. Do you uh, do you believe in buying lottery tickets so you can um, win a million dollars really quick? I've done it, uh, but I don't believe in it at all. No, the odds are ridiculous. Okay. So you're not looking for the lottery ticket to, uh, like, take you to the next level? Uh, that is correct. Okay. Just, just checking. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you this. I know we're getting we're getting close to the moment where they're going to like start administering electric shock to me if I don't keep it on time. But um looking back, what would you tell a younger version of yourself? Like Candace at 18, what ad- financial advice would you give to yourself knowing what you know now? Relax. It's going to be all right. Do your best. And don't worry about the rest. So it sounds like um, that really um, what I'm hearing is really be conscious about how you spend. Have a little bit of restraint. Um, don't spend beyond your means. Um, and 
if you don't need it, really think about whether or not it's worth going into debt for because, uh, like, needs probably should supersede wants in terms of if I'm trying to stay on my budget and trying to uh, actually get myself to the next level or to have financial security. Um, and it sounds like working towards a healthy relationship, whatever the number of dollars are um, in your bank account, just learning to be um, appreciative, be in service. Um, I know from my traveling around the world um, in a lot of developing countries, I've learned really this perspective of uh, grateful and humbled. Yes. I really feel like um, I've been afforded a lot of uh, uh abundance in a lot of ways besides finances um and so i have a lot of uh gratitude and mm -hmm. i'm very humbled because i see how people live out in the world and uh, uh it's pretty amazing yes so and and to have fun and have fun have fun Jesus, with your that's life. like life is short life have some short. fun that's have right. some fun <laughs> um lighten up uh, and be nice amen <laughs> so um where can people find you on social media, I, I know you're in the FBI uh, um, witness <laughs> protection program, but uh, but other than that, where can people find you on social media? Uh, well, I'm on Facebook, um, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Okay, and those um, so on Facebook it's uh, um, Candace G. That's right. And then on Instagram it's uh, the Can Who Can. And um, how did you get that name, the Can Who Can? Well, can is short for Candace. The okay. people that know me call me Can, and I am the Candace who can. And that's uh, my beloved actually gave me that name okay. uh, several years ago, and it's stuck. I've had it since the beginning of the computer era. Wow. The can, the can. Who can? Who can? The can, who, who can? can. <laughs> that would be me. That would be me, Candace G. Well, I appreciate you coming out. Um, I want to tell people, please don't forget to share the laughs. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. And if you have a question you would like to ask us for or ask one of our future guests, you can email us at info at themoneynerve.com or send us a message, a message via one of our social media sites. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. For more stories, podcasts, episodes, financial tools, and upcoming seminars, be sure to check out themoneynerve.com. I'm Bob Wheeler, host of Money You Should Ask with my guest Candace G. Until next time, enjoy your life. <laughs>